Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus you know, at the end of the day, football is football. All, all, all Patriots, all, all the time. Ooh, that, that's spicy. All Patriots, all, all the time. Welcome to, 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 to First and Foxborough. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Foxborough football fans, another episode of First and I am your host, Kyrie Thompson, your navigator, your guy, bringing it to you every single day. First of all, you know what to do. Download, subscribe, listen, check it out on the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcasts. I got another fun one for you today. We got Mark Schofield of SB Nation, who I just found out is a local product. Tell them where you are from. Kyrie, it's great to be here. We just had a tremendous conversation talking about track because we, we just actually yes. discovered that both of us are our old school track guys talk about track and field there look you know middle to short distance sprinters none yes. of this 600 800 uh-uh. stuff that our coaches made us do i i grew up in waltham and I, as i tell everybody all the time the boston accent that i still have i went to college in connecticut and then i went to law school in virginia I haven't been living in the New England area since 1999. I'm in D.C. area right now, but I still, Kyrie, have the Boston accent. But I'm a local kid. I was back in the old Greater Boston League days, back when Peabody was great, back when Everett was great. Um, but, yeah, I am a I am a local guy. That is – okay, so so first of all, I, I we got to hear a sample of it now. Okay. Yeah, now you can hear it. 
speaks sure. for itself. I mean, the Boston accent, it just speaks for itself. I mean, the, the typical phrase, right, is park your car in Harvard Yard. Like, you know, that's the one that everybody likes to hear. But my favorite story is when I was in college, I had a friend that lived down in El Paso, Texas. And I was visiting her over like winter break when Goodwill Hunting came out. And I mm. went and saw Goodwill Hunting at a theater in El Paso, Texas. Oh, I heard, I heard it right there, by the way. Yeah. I was the only person in the theater that knew what happened in that movie. Because everybody else was like, what are they saying? Because the accents were real. They were legitimate, like pure, true Boston accents. They weren't like comical or anything like that. They were legitimate. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, this movie is fantastic. I can understand everything. And everybody else is like, what is he saying? What, what are they talking about? But yeah, I still have the Boston accent. Um, I, I can't let it go. Uh, it's, it's a part of who I am now. And so I, I like to show it off as much as I can. You know, it's funny because when you talk about accents, so I'm from the Midwest. I'm from the Chicago land, like not technically. Where, where from, in Chicago? So so I, I grew up in Northwest Indiana, technically. So I was about 35 minutes outside of Chicago. I went to okay. school in Chicago, in the college. I went up uh, University of Chicago. So I was down on the south side over by the Chicago White Sox, you know, 35th and yep. Shield. You know, that, yep. that was my that was my hangout uh, going, going to the Chicago White Sox game. I grew up a fan. But the thing is, like, people – uh, we'll, we'll say like, okay, you still got, you got that kind of Chicago accent. And I'm like, where, but every once in a while I'll hear myself say something with, with it's, it's the a sound. It's always yep. the short a, and it's yep. like that ah thing. And I'm like, Oh my God, no, no, it's true. It's there. Yeah. Oh my God. It's there. It is. It, you know, I, I asked where you, cause my wife grew up in Naperville, which oh. of Chicago sort of Western. So yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's the Chicago accent. It's a, it's not. The Boston accent. I mean, no, the Boston no, no, accent no. is like distinct and, you know, it's yeah. become somewhat of a joke uh, all over the place. But I've still got it. I love it. It, it's, it's, it sends me back to my days back home in Waltham running around like a like a young little maniac. But I look, I'm excited to be here. I, we can talk track for the next 25 minutes because I don't know if we want to dive into the one and three New England Patriots. Well, yeah, you know what? Honestly, so, I mean, we were, we were having this discussion about, about track and field a couple of times that uh, – um, our coaches made us run something longer than the 400, how much we hated it. Um, I mean, like I said, 400 meters was my love hate relationship. Um, I, I managed to, to like, yeah, I only figured out how to run it at the very, very end, which is still maddening to me. Yeah. Like I could probably go out right now. And I actually did do this a couple of years ago. I could go out and just like, I could go run like a 55 right now. Like I'm, I'm like 31. I don't train and none of that. But I, I literally went out like a couple years ago and ran a 55. I almost died by the end, yeah. but but I did it. Uh, but Good for you. Last summer, I tried to just give me like a half, like a 75 percent 400, and I wasn't okay for like a week. Like yeah, it, it it was rough. And you know, I'm a little older than you, 45, a couple months older than Tom Brady. Um, but yeah, at this point, it's like I can give you a trotting kind of 400, but anything more than that, it's not happening. Yeah, no, and and I mean, I'm I'm a stubborn, pig-headed person who's just like, oh yeah, I could go ahead and do this. I'm a busted out. I, I'm right. one of those people that thinks like, hey, you give me a little bit of time to train, I could I could maybe dip under the 40-yard dash in five seconds. I might just you know barely scrape under there on the skin of my teeth. But if I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't know that I could really do that. And I don't know why I need to prove that to myself. Right. I mean, that's just, my that's just like me being just stubborn. Why? Right. I mean, my, I'm similar in that I think I could still bust out a sub 540. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, I just want to beat 
Rich Eisen and Darren Ravel. Like yes. that's all I would want to be. Like if I get sent, like if SB Nation sends me to Indianapolis for the combine again, and they're like, we need to get some content. Can you and your buddy JP Acosta, the other guy over at SB Nation, we're riding with, um, doing some combine drills. That's all I'd want to do. Just beat Ravel and and Rich Eisen. I'll be okay. Bro, we could be backpedaling and beat Ravel. Like that's I, true. I think- yeah, I mean, we ain't really got to try for that. I mean, that footage of that run in the forty still cracks me up. <laughs> but okay, we we really could do this all day. I really have a sense that we could do that. But okay, look, the reason I brought you on here is because, well, first of all, I've been following your work since the inside pylon days, looking at quarterback breakdowns and 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 you know just college you know scouting guys coming out. We're here to talk about some football. Oh, I saw that C4 sneaking that in there. I still need to try that. How is C4? this? Is this is the Starburst pink Starburst? Oh no, 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 no! Get that away from me. I I am a crack addict for Starburst. They've got this, the pink and the lemon, and they're oh. both just fantastic. And my friend, like, it's probably not healthy um, in the long run, but for uh, for a morning when I got to get up and get going. Pink Starburst C4 is just fantastic. Oh, my God. You and you and Brian Barrett both, who used to be with WEEI, he's now over with the ringer right now. I would see him strolling in with the Starburst-flavored C4 every time I'd see him in the studio. And I'm just like, no, seriously, Star, Starbursts are are like like actual crack for me. Like, I I, I, I cannot I cannot just open a, a container of Starburst and not eat the entire thing in 15 minutes. It's it's gone. For me, the best part of my kids when they went through braces, my son got his off, my daughter just got her braces, was on Halloween when they got Starburst and it's something that they can't eat because of the braces. So it's like, yoink, thank you. Oh my! Makes paying for the braces worth it. Cruelty, cruelty. But at the same time, also, you probably shouldn't be eating Starburst bad for your teeth. Literally got some dental work done yesterday. Need to lay off the candy. But, But okay. Let's talk about some some New England Patriots here because this is a team. For for me personally, I expected them to be right where they are right now, one and three, going into a very winnable stretch of the season. But it's it's been kind of hard to get a gauge on this team and and whether or not or just kind of like how much there is to be explored. Let's start off with this though. Patriots were one and three last year. Uh, coming into this exact stretch of season, one and three now. If you had to look at last year's one and three Patriots and this year's one and three Patriots, which one do you feel better about? Man, that's a brilliant question. And honestly, I feel a little bit better about this year's. I mean, because you're talking about a game last week where you're down to your third quarterback, a rookie quarterback, seeing his first NFL action on the road at Lambeau Field, staring across the field at Aaron Rodgers, and they get that game to overtime and had a legitimate shot to win that game. Um, You're talking about week three where, you know, we could talk about this last quarter and a half that Mac Jones played in that game, but for two and a half quarters, it's like, this is the Mac Jones you want to see. This is the quarterback you want to see. And you go up against the Baltimore Ravens team that is dynamic, that has Lamar Jackson. And yes, you end up losing by 11, but that was another game you could have won. And I think you look back at week one, holding Miami to what, 20 points? Looks a lot better right now than it did after week one, because that does seem like it's going to be a dynamic and explosive offense. Now, certainly Miami has a quarterback issue that they have to figure out. And so you can see the pieces slowly starting to come together. I like what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball in the secondary and up front. 
I know they have questions about offensive or questions about quarterback, but I think they're starting to figure out some things that are coming together. I think they're starting to figure out what they really want to lead into in the running game. And I think when they get Mac Jones back, there are things they can do in the passing game that are going to work. And so it's one in three. Yeah. And you're looking up at the other teams in the division, but I almost feel like I've got a clearer sense of where this team is going. Last year, you were still dealing with rookie quarterback. And what are you going to see from Mac Jones over the next 16, 17 games? You have questions about the defensive side of the ball. You had some other questions you had to figure out. You were moving in a lot more new pieces in the offensive skill positions. And so I know it's one and three. I know that there's been this idea of moral victories and things like that. It's still a loss on Sunday. But I think I have a clearer vision of what this team can be. And now you're getting into that similarly winnable schedule with Detroit, Cleveland with a backup quarterback, Chicago, the Jets twice, the Colts who, you know, five, six weeks ago, that looked like, okay, that's going to be a tough game. That looks like a pretty winnable game right now. And so could they go, you know, over this next stretch of games, four and two, five and one, it's entirely possible. And then we're talking about a much different team when we get around to November. Yeah, and you know what? And that's obviously going to be the gauntlet. How many games right. can you pick up at the very end there? Can you keep yourself in contention? As you're talking about it, you know what? I just I just had it in my brain right now. You're talking rookie quarterback staring across the field at Aaron Rodgers. Last year was rookie quarterback staring across the field at Tom Brady in week yep. four in a game that was very competitive. That was right there that you that you you maybe said, hey, they could have won, maybe they should have won, you know, like like all, all of that. And the, the crossroads now is, is a bit different because Mac Jones was the entrenched starter. He was the guy last year. Right now you've got a situation where it's Bailey Zappi potentially starting for I, I mean he might I mean he seems like the likely candidate to start this week with Mac Jones unlikely, you know, a Dan Graziano Dan Graziano of ESPN report he's unlikely to play. Ryan Hoyer coming off concussion, you might have Bailey Zappi. Let's start kind of unpacking what Bailey Zappi was doing here. So what did you think of his performance on Sunday night in just a break glass of in case of emergency kind of game? Yeah, and I, this is a great moment. to. I always try to remind people you have to think about the context of a performance, right? If you're just looking at that performance in a vacuum, it's like, yeah, he could have played a little bit better. Like the throw to Aguilar, I saw you talking about that recently. Like if he sort of leads him a little bit better, you might be talking about a touchdown. You know, some of the other plays, the sack before halftime, which in the moment looked like a critical play because you're thinking they're going to go in and score right before halftime. Maybe it's, you know, just a field goal, but they're going to get a little bit of momentum out of us. Then you take that sack. Yes, Isaiah Wynn played a little bit of a role in that too, but he has to feel that better. Yeah, You're, There are some things where you can look at with Zappi's performance and say, yeah, he's got to clean this up. But then you apply the context to it. Third day quarterback, right? Seeing his first NFL action in an emergency situation because, yeah, he expected to be the backup going into this game. And then Hoyer goes down really quickly. And you've got to get him onto the field. It's at Lambeau Field. It's against Aaron Rodgers. Like, there's a lot going on, and you're talking about a situation where the playbook is probably this post-it because that's <laughs> yeah. all they really feel comfortable calling for the kid. It's like, look, you've got, like, 10 plays that you're comfortable running that we've given you an opportunity since training camp to run. Yes, he's run the full playbook, but, like, the stuff he's gotten to drill over and over again, it's probably not that much. When you take a step back and look at that, I think it was an impressive performance. Look at that drive coming out of halftime, right? Like, Green Bay does what we all probably expected, right? They get the second half kickoff. They go right down and score. And it's like, okay, th this this is getting dicey now because, you know, you've woken up the sleeping giant. 
and they answer. They go right back. And I don't delay a game and, and stuff like that. But you hit the cross rail for the touchdown. You answer Green Bay. You answer Aaron Rodgers in your first NFL action. And let's not forget, become the first rookie quarterback this year to throw a touchdown pass. If you placed that bet that Bailey Zappi was going to be yeah. the first rookie quarterback to to throw a touchdown pass, congratulations, go collect that. And by the way, your alarm clock's going off because you're waking up from that dream. Nobody saw that coming. And so I think it was a pretty impressive performance once you slide in that context. I agree. And, and you know what? Like, in me pointing out some of these plays, right, the sacks, the times he's bailing out of the clean pocket and everything, yeah. like, look, th those are just – those are just quarterbacking points. That, I mean, it's true. He bailed out of the pocket a couple of times when he arguably could have stayed in. I, I think and, you put it perfectly when you said he was just handing on and trying to survive. Yeah, he was in survival. He, he was, was in survival it. mode. But the yeah. thing is, what what else could you expect? And and, and I've said this a couple. Of, he handled that as well as he possibly could have been expected to. And honestly, probably a little bit better because you, you bring that up. It wasn't just the fact that he through that touchdown pass to give them the lead, then they go and drive down again and they score. And, yeah. and I mean, yeah, a lot of it's the running game and, you know, Bailey's happy, you know, just turning around, handing the ball off. But, but I mean, they still scored on that drive and he still made that throw to Nelson Aguilar to get them in that situation. And, and like, yeah, he, he definitely seemed to just be putting it up there. Like, please God, Nelson catch this ball. I just don't want to throw a pick here. The right. pass was completed. It got in the red zone. They scored. That, yep. that's he did his job he did his yep. job about exactly. as well as you could expect and the fact that they stayed in this game that they were competitive I mean that's a, that's a huge credit to him now I mean, yeah. let's put it this way if you would have told me say in August that in week four Bailey Zappi is going to lead the Patriots to overtime at Lambeau Field against Aaron Rodgers I would have said what has happened and I know I said wow I'll take that in a heartbeat. If you're telling me that he's going to come into the game early in the game and they're going to get to overtime on the road against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers and a very good defensive front, like Rashawn Gary is a fantastic player, I would have said, yeah, sure, I don't know how we got here. I'm worried what you're going to tell me next about how we got here, but I'll take that, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I do want to talk a little bit about First of all, let, let, let's get to what Bailey Zappi could be expected to do this week. So let's say, for the sake of argument, Mac Jones not able to practice. Um, Brian Hoyer still needs to get cleared through you know, concussion protocol. And given what happened with Tua, I could absolutely see them just yeah. playing it safe and be like, you yeah. know what, let, let's not do this. Okay, let's just, let's just go into this week with Bailey Zappi getting the number one reps at quarterback, getting the majority of the reps and preparing like he's going to start this game. This is going up against the Detroit Lions now at home. How much improvement do you think we could expect from Bailey Zappi over that performance that he had last Sunday? Because I, I don't think you're going to see anything magically like, oh, my God, look at that. Like, he just took a quantum leap. I think it's going to be more like, okay, he's he's seen this now. He's felt it. You can, you can run a few more plays, but you're still going to see some of him bailing on occasion and, and kind of running around. But what do you think could get better? I mean, I think the first difference will be this, right? They're supposed to do the playbook against Green Bay. Now you might get like a notepad or, or something like that. And yes, these are my notes on Geno Smith watching his game against the Detroit Lions, which is where it can go next because now he's going to get a chance to go up against a defense which is last in the league in scoring defense, a defense which has given up some big games. Even Carson Wentz had some big throws against this Detroit Lions team a couple of weeks ago. You look back at Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts, in week one looked extremely comfortable 
against this defense. You look at Geno Smith on Sunday, and he was answering everything Geno Smith was, this Lions defense throughout. They go soft zone, he's going to hit the backside dig. They go cover zero, he's going to hand in there, hit the post route. This is a defense in Detroit that Kyrie is trying different things schematically to get some answers, and they can't get those answers. They can't figure that out. And so I think you're going to see – a bigger sort of game script and set of plays that Zappy can run. And I think you're going to see some opportunities for him to hit on some big plays. Like you said, I'm not expecting, and I don't think we should expect a quantum leap. He's not suddenly going to become Tom Brady over the course of one week, but I think you can see a little bit more schematically. I think you can see some success. You can see the ability to attack this defense when they go zone, when they bring these pressure looks, head in there, run some max protection stuff, attack them deep. You're going to be able to run the ball on this defense as well. I think the bigger question for this game is honestly, can you slow down Jared Goff, which I yeah. know sounds strange. But I mean, they, they're putting up points. The number one scoring offense in the league. They're, they're putting up points right now. And they, they might have a Mon Ross St. Brown back, who's a fantastic receiver. I love him coming out of USC. TJ Hawkinson coming off a career day. And so there are things we're going to have to worry about on the defensive side of the ball. But offensively, this is an opportunity to really showcase what this offense can do, even with Bailey Zappi under center. Yes. And you know what? I, I want to just hit one more offensive point with that in mind, because now the, now the talk is happening. Now it's inevitably like, hey, you know, Bailey Zappi has a couple of good games. You know, is he going to get the starting job all the way? Are you shaking your head? And, and I mean, trust me, hearing that makes me want to pull my hair out. But but OK, let, let's. Let's 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 do it, okay? Because there are people listening to this that are probably thinking about this exact scenario. Say Bailey Zappi goes like he starts like four games or plays plays four games, and he goes say like uh, three and one or or something like that. And then Mac Jones is ready; he's ready to come back and 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 take over as the starter. Is that a discussion anywhere in your mind? that, hey, Bailey Zappi's been playing well, maybe we just ride the hot hand? Or do you do the same thing and put Mac Jones back in? You do the same thing and you put Mac Jones back in. When healthy, Mac Jones is your starting quarterback. And I think if you have questions about that, watch the first half, watch the first two-plus quarters against Baltimore, see where Mac Jones was before he just just decided that we're going to run this offense through Devontae Parker no matter what, which, again, quibble about that at the end of the Baltimore game. But that's the Mac Jones we wanted to see, the confident, decisive guy that was actually making some aggressive throws downfield, hitting whole shots against cover two, drilling back shoulder throws to Devontae Parker with a little bit of velocity on them. Mac Jones is your starting quarterback when he's healthy. It will be a fantastic situation if this team over the next couple of weeks in Bailey Zappi's hands goes five and one, four and two. And people, if it's kind of like similar to what Jerry Jones said about Cooper Rush the other day, which is, look, if people want to debate, if we're in a position where we can actually have that debate over who the starting quarterback is, great. That means that we performed well. But ultimately, Matt Jones is your starting quarterback. And so it would be great if Zappi does play well over the next two, three, four, how many weeks he plays. Because I do think you need a very good backup quarterback in today's NFL. We're, we're living through that right now as Patriots fans. But when he's healthy, Matt Jones is your starter. And, and you know what? I think that was – part of why you draft Bailey Zappi, Brian Hoyer, absolutely. Yeah. 36 years old. I mean, he's, I mean, I I remember talking to him in the locker room, even saying something as simple as like, uh, you know, after his, his previous stint with New England, he's like, yeah, I wasn't sure I was going to be back. You know, when, when I left that first time and and he's, 
you you could kind of hear in, in that sort of comment and, and even you know him talking about making making this start like in the in the lead up to it uh, you know against green bay that he knows there aren't too many of these left and and he knows he's at the end. The Patriots know he's towards the end of his career. That's why you get Bailey Zappi because, hey, look, if we can have a good backup quarterback. That's better for our football team. But the, the conversation around Mac Jones has been really frustrating to me because, yes, I get it. Throwing interceptions is, is not great. It doesn't help your team. But this is a second-year quarterback who, again, I don't know how much this affects him at all, but, but the conversation has been – yeah, well, you know, he needs to get more aggressive, needs to push the ball down the field, and, uh, you know, we, he needs to be able to beat defenses because that's what they're daring him to do. And then he tries to do that, and he throws a couple of interceptions mixed in with some big plays, but he threw a couple of interceptions. So now, oh, well, Mac Jones isn't it. And I'm like, what did you think was going to happen? Like, like th th this is how this works. You get more aggressive, sometimes you get burned. For me personally, I view this as a normal progression in Mac Jones's growth. Like, yes, he's, he's, he's trying to figure out what he can do. As Deontay Lee said, and we, we talked about this before as well, Deontay Lee, the athletic, he was saying, look, Mac Jones needs to find out what the deep ball looks like, what a downfield throw looks like for him. Okay. And I think he's been doing that. And you saw the, some of the results against Baltimore and it looked pretty damn good. So I guess my point in bringing this up and the question I'm going to ask is how concerned should we be about Mac Jones and some of the mistakes that he has made? Is this is should this be viewed as normal or should it be viewed as well? If he keeps playing like this, then uh, he might have to lose his job. It's absolutely normal, and I'm going to bring up a phrase that I've been talking about since the inside the pollen days. Development is not linear. Okay, we all have this beautiful image of a quarterback's going to come in and it's going to be this nice little. I didn't do it right. Yeah, nope. no, no, the, 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 the nice linear, nice little, perfect little linear progression where he's going to get better and better and better and better each week. I always like to remind people, the guys on the other side of the ball are good. You know, they're in the NFL for a reason. The coaches on the other side of the ball are good. They're in the NFL for a reason. They're going to get filmed. They're going to realize, hey, you know, we can do something schematically next week that we picked up on the film from the previous week and maybe force them into some mistakes. And so the develop, the linear little growth pattern that we all love to see and hope to see and expect to see, it's not. It's ups and downs. There are going to be good geeks, weeks. There are going to be bad weeks. There are going to be great drives. There are going to be bad drives along the way. Ultimately, the question that you need to answer is this. And I know this is going to seem very sort of, you know, looking ahead to the future. By the end of his third year, is he the guy? By the end of his third season, are you convinced he is the guy? That's not from me. That's from Bill Walsh, who knew more about quarterbacks than I ever will. And yeah. he always said three years is the time frame for a quarterback. If they figure it out by the end of that third year, you're, you got the guy. If he can't figure it out by then, then you probably don't have the guy. And so there are going to be ups and downs this year. There might be ups and downs next year. But there's a reason you hear the third year leap, the Josh Allen leap, the Jalen Hurts leap. That third year is when they start to piece it all together. And you're talking about with Josh Allen, he was with the same offensive coordinator, the same system, same everything for those entire three years. Hurts wasn't. Jones hasn't been. This is his second offensive coordinator in two years of offensive coordinator quotes. And so mistakes interceptions, stuff like that early, it's part of the process. I know we live in this Twitter, 280 characters, everything happens instantly. And, you know, a guy goes out for his first preseason game as an NFL player, and you instantly confirm or deny your priors because that's what he will be for his NFL career. It doesn't work that way. You know, these are young men. 
becoming professional athletes for the first time. Development's not linear. Mistakes now, is he, as long as he learns from them and gets better and better over the course of the season generally, and that trend line is up, even though it's not nice and smooth and linear, that's what you want to see. So mistakes, 100% part of the process. I'm not worried about Matt Jones right now at all. You know, it's interesting, right? As, as you're saying that, right? And, you know, mis- mistakes are part of the process. This is a discussion I've been having with, you know, people back home about Justin Fields, whom is, yeah. he's, he's going to be at, in Foxborough in a couple of weeks, and we're going to get to see him up close here. Um, I've, you know, talked about him a couple of times on the, on the podcast because he's such an interesting case study in what does improvement look like. And from a box score standpoint, you're looking at Justin Fields like, man, this guy really ain't it. Like he, he hasn't passed for 200 yards yet this season. But of course, you're looking at what he has around him. And also, I I mean, there there are varying opinions about, oh, he takes too many sacks. He's not seeing things. But then there are other people like Trent Dilfer is like, well, I mean, given what he's working with right now, he did a lot of really good stuff in this last game. But I think the interesting thing, right, is that we compare these second year quarterbacks to one another and to other quarterbacks who who are better, who are elite players. And there are also these, you know, uh, studies that say like, hey, quarterbacks should take big, you know, they should take leaps in their second years. And I feel like we start trying to put players into a box and say like, okay, this is what you should do because this is what the data said you should do. You should be getting better in your second year. But what does that look like? You should be doing X, Y, Z, you know, if you want to be a great player like, you know, Joe Burrow or Tom Brady or what have you. But you're not Joe Burrow or Tom Brady. Right. You play the game differently. So it's like, how do we keep that individual notion of like, okay, Mac Jones is a different play. Like, again, he might have similar skill sets to, to you know, a Tom Brady or so, but he's not Tom Brady. He's different. So, so how do we keep Mac Jones in the Mac Jones box and let him grow within that area and keep Justin Fields in the Justin Fields category and not try to make him Lamar Jackson. Like how do we right. do these things? Yeah. And it, it's why I sort of mentioned earlier, Kyrie, that idea of context, like you have to add that in with these discussions. I mean, look, Justin Fields was my number two quarterback in that draft class. And everybody that like, you know, was watching the Pat's pulpit live stream that draft night saw me like, clamoring for Justin Fields and making the case, oh, Justin Fields, Justin Fields. And then, you know, the Patriots, they drafted Mac Jones. And, you know, as I said at the moment, all right, now we got to talk ourselves into Mac Jones. You need that context around these players. You need that context of Mac Jones was put in a better situation than Justin Fields is in right now. But at the same time, you want to see them both sort of that overall trend line. You want to see them both sort of improve and get better so they're better at the end of year two than they were at the start of year two. And the whole idea of like, well, they have to get better in year two. They have to perform better. And this is what it has to look like. Again, it's not going to look the same. Like people might be expected, oh, they need a adjusted net yards per attempt of like 7.2 or better in year yeah. two to be the guy. And it's like, well, they might not do that because of the context. You have to sort of look at, are they improving from a decision-making standpoint? And to Dilfer's point about their game a couple of weeks ago, the game against Houston where he threw, I think, three interceptions or two interceptions. He was like, look, some of these are the right reads. You know, it's just getting better, getting more practice time, getting more reps at making some of these decisions and throws. But the decisions are right. Now it's can the production sort of follow. And so we want to it's what we do in this business. It's what we do as fans when we're just watching games with our buddies, with our family or our friends. We compare, we contrast, we debate, we argue. 
But all quarterbacks are different. We're all trying to say, oh, who's going to make the Josh Allen leap this year? Is it Jalen Hurts? Maybe Josh Allen's just one of one. You know, yeah. I, I see the guy. I'm reminded, Kyrie, of sitting or standing on the sideline of the senior bowl down in Mobile and watching Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen do this accuracy drill where they set up this like net with like nope, five. I know targets. exactly what you're talking about. I laughed out yeah. loud. He couldn't hit the net. He right? threw it no. over the net. From like 25 yards away. Baker's drilling the targets left and right, left and right. Allen's airman, and it can't even hit the entire net. And it, I remember sitting there thinking, all right, well, one guy's going to work and one guy isn't. I got that right, just not the right names. Yeah, no, I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I saw that video, and I was just like, oh, no way in hell. And I mean, the thing yeah. is, I watched a bunch of his college stuff, Josh Allen's, I mean, because I was working at Stats in Chicago at the time. So I was doing like QC work for them. So, yeah. so I mean, I, I watched a bunch of Josh Allen. I was like, this dude is just running around slinging it across his spot. There's no way that's going to work in the NFL. And the funny thing is, you know, you know, as it sometimes always seems to happen, it's always the guys you think are, are going to flame out, right? We all yeah. thought, well, Baker Mayfield, oh, he's going to be good, right? He's safe pick. Yeah. Um, you know, Sam Darnold, so highly regarded based off that first year in college. He, oh, yeah, he's going to work out. And Josh Allen's like, well, he's going to be a project. He's the right. best quarterback from that class. And the fifth quarterback taken in that it was Lamar okay. Jackson, whom yeah. everybody thought there's no way that style of play is going to work. He might mess around and win the MVP this year. And then you, the previous year, oh, Mitchell Trubisky, right? He's the he, We all talked ourselves into he's the safest guy in this class. You know, yeah, Patrick Mahomes might be better. But, I mean, look, look at the way he throws. He's too wild. He's got that too gunslinger mentality. Look at look at them now. Yep. I mean, and 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 the the I think the 17 draft class is such a good example of like the context and landing spot and situation. Like, I mean, I loved Mahomes coming out. Like I I loved him coming out. And you know, I was banging the table for Mahomes in that class. I was talking about Deshaun Watson in that class. Again, as a football player, we all know the Deshaun Watson situation. If Patrick Mahomes lands in Chicago with Matt Nagy, yeah. he's probably good. Because he's Patrick Mahomes and he's just that talented. But I don't think he's Patrick Mahomes, the guy we're seeing right now. Yeah. I mean, because you look at the Landon situation and Andy Reid just kind of letting him be who he is. They take their time with him. They let Alex Smith start that year. And Alex Smith deserves some credit, too, because he took Mahomes under his wing because he knew. It was like the second Mahomes showed up at, at minicamp. He's like, yeah, this guy's taking my job at some point. I can go one of two ways here. I'm going to teach him how to be a pro. I'm going to watch film with him, pick him up in the morning. We're going to go work out together. You know, but it's that context, right? If Mahomes lands in Chicago with Matt Nagy, I'm not sure he's the same guy, but he's still going to be an extremely talented quarterback. And you could even say the same thing about the next year, right? Allen goes to a stable situation where they believe in him, they trust him, they keep the same sort of group around him. Lamar goes to Baltimore, and yeah, they had Flacco, but they eventually started crafting the offense in his mold. The other guys, they went to less stable situations, and you see how their careers turned out. Yeah, and I mean, it, it really is like, as you mentioned, you know, sometimes these guys are just one of one. And maybe you can yep. say nobody's going to do what Josh Allen did, where he was pretty mid, I would say, you know, for first two years, really up and down. And then all of a sudden, he just comes out guns blazing in his third year, which I got to say to that point, and I, I do want to move to defense after this, but uh, I remember thinking, you know, even going in, you know, through year two that oh, Josh Allen, there's, there's a couple of better games. But, you know, I'm still not in love. And then I saw him in, in person, week 16, in Foxborough in, in 2019. 
And I left that game with a completely, completely different opinion of Josh Allen. I was like, okay, no, there, there, there are still some turf throws. There are still some things that you might not like, but the control, the level of control is different. And he had a, he had a 50 yard touchdown throw in, in that game where he's getting clobbered, but puts it yep. right on the money to John Brown. I was like, oh my God. No, that, that was, that was something else. You can see that light turning on, right? It's like, oh, that was, man, he's started to put this together and I don't get the warm and fuzzies about this division the next couple of years. Yeah, no, that, that was something completely different. And I remember leaving that game thinking, yeah, no, this, I think he's going to be it. I, I really yeah. thought so. But look, we talked so much about offense because that's where the fun is at, but I want to talk a little bit about some defense, some good, some bad. This week we had the, the Patriots basically admit that they have a linebacker problem and, yeah. and they, they you know, bring in Jamie Collins off the, you know, into the practice squad, he's going to get bumped up to the active roster if he hasn't already. It's only a matter of time. I remember, I, I think I had cornerback and linebacker as my least favorite positions for this Patriots team going into the draft. They addressed one of them and didn't address the other. They addressed cornerback, but not linebacker. And there's a part of me that looks at what Devin Lloyd is doing out I, in Devin Lloyd and Jackson. That was my guy. That was my guy. And I was just like, he would be perfect in, in New England. He's versatile. He he can, he can play any linebacker position you want. They they go with Cole Strange, which, I mean, Cole Strange has been good. He's been good. Yeah. He's been getting better every week. There's just part of me that's like, man, did you, did you mess up by deciding you were going to go with the Vets and Cameron McGrone, who ended up not really doing anything this year? Um, did you mess up and by not going with or getting some dynamic linebacker to help you out? Because right now this is not a good crew. Yeah, it's not. And I'm right there with you. I, I, I loved Devin Lloyd just as a football player, as a study, the length. And I know size, Emery Hunt, who I absolutely love and adore, says, you know, size is not a skill. Size is not a trade. But then you see him disrupt throwing lanes because of that length. And I thought, look. He batted NFL's. down a pass against the the Colts or something. Like that. The ball was, I think it was Jacksonville. The ball was almost by him. I'm yeah. just like, how? Yeah. And I thought, you know, today's game, the RPO stuff where you've got to react, you're coming downhill and then try to get into the throwing lane. That length was going to be huge. I absolutely love Devin Lloyd. Now, it's not a knock on Cole Strange, who, like you said, I think has been a very good offensive lineman. I think he's quietly quelling some of that pre-draft. How could that post-draft, like, how could you draft this guy in the first round? We're starting to see why you could draft that guy in the first round. But you're right. Corner and linebacker, corner and, like, the second level of the defense were big question marks going into the draft. And I think they've done a great job at corner. But we're starting to see they're playing a little bit of catch-up with linebacker. They wouldn't have to be doing that if they drafted Lloyd. Now, maybe they would have had to have taken a swing on the interior offensive line later in the draft. But I would have loved Lloyd in this defense. I know you were a huge fan of him. I, you know, I know you did a show on him recently. He, he, I thought he was like everything you want in a modern linebacker. For Collins, I think it's like, okay, we we got to get something here at the second level. I think he might play a big role this week in sort of an off-ball role because you're talking about a, a Lions run game that is very good through the B-gaps. Like, they're a very diverse run scheme, but they run a lot of, like, gap and power and wham and trap stuff where you're going to need, like, experienced eyes in the yeah. linebacker group. So I think Collins is probably going to help out this week probably more than you might expect a guy that just signed to do. But, yeah, linebacker still remains a question mark. Corner seems to have been sorted out. I, I know my slot corner might still be a, you know, a question mark, but 
you know, Jack Jones looks fantastic. Jonathan Jones, I'm not surprised that he's acclimated himself well on the boundary. I thought when Bill Belichick trusts you in one-on-one against Tyreek Hill. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean that, that, that tells you what you need to know. And that yeah. also tells you, at least to me, that that guy could probably play anywhere. Now, yeah, now talking absolutely. about corner. So this is one thing that I diverged on with a lot of people. Um, because I, I was down there at the combine and I saw kind of like that that top four-ish like cloud of cornerbacks, right? It was Trent McDuffie, um, you know, Kyler Gordon was in there, you know, th- th- they were teammates. And then like Andrew Booth Jr. and Kyer Elam. I saw all those guys and I thought like, yeah, they could all be really interesting targets for the Patriots. But for me, when the Patriots traded out of 21 and Trent McDuffie goes there, I wasn't really thinking like, oh my God, did the Patriots really just mess up? Because I, I like Trent McDuffie, but I personally was like, I mean, the same questions you have about Jack Jones in terms of like, yeah, size, run defense. Like, I didn't really think he was that good against the run either. And I feel like the Patriots at a first round cornerback would want somebody who's a little bit more well-rounded. So I didn't trip on not having a, a uh, you know, shut down corner as your number one pick. I didn't think they were going to do that. And I think they would want to go with some corner depth. And as it turns out, they might have made the right choice because Jack Jones, I mean, yeah, Jack Jones can't tackle worth a lick right now, but that brother can cover. As a matter of fact, I just saw this morning, Pro Football Focus, your top two single coverage quarterbacks, John Jones and Jack Jones, which is wild. But when you look at Jack Jones, I mean, how surprised are you at, at what he's been able to do right away? I mean, I'm pretty surprised. I mean, to your point about, you know, not drafting McDuffie, I loved McDuffie. I thought he was great. But corner was a very deep group. I mean, yeah. there were guys that were going to be later in the draft, like Tariq Woolen, for example, went in the fifth <laughs> round. That absolute unicorn, one-of-one type guy, too. Oh, like, oh you that guy had, is insane. That, that yeah. intercept, the, 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 the pick six, he, or, yeah, the pick six he had where it's just like, he just hit the turbo with the ball yeah. in there. Where yeah, he, just, was, he was, it felt like he was like five yards behind the plate, and he's just like, boop, and then he, he yeah. picks it off. But it was a very, very deep group. And so, like, if you were going to wait on a position, like, you know, that was probably one you could have waited on because it was so deep. And, and Jones looks fantastic. Jack Jones looks fit. Footwork, change of direction, click and close, ability to drive to the catch point. Like, you know, just look at the pick six. I mean, that that's what you have to look at. That's a great example of a corner in today's NFL, making the right decision to jump a route, explode into the catch point, and going the other way. It's still surprising, though. I mean, because you're talking about, you know, a mid-round corner to play at this high a level early. And the point about Jonathan Jones and Jack Jones and their man coverage skills in those PFF grades, if you want to be a defense that leans heavily into man coverage, that's what you need. And to have those two guys is huge. Because I remember – thinking when we saw this cornerback group in training camp and you know roster moves that they made i thought they're gonna really lead into zone coverage early like that they're gonna play a lot more zone coverage than belichick and steve belichick probably want and gerard mayo probably want to play because of these guys and what they do got that one ron they can play as much man coverage right now as they want because of those two guys on the outside and what's great is if you can put both your boundary corners on an island and really dedicate that safety help to the slot where they might have a little bit of a weakness right now, that's huge for a defense. And you know what the other thing is, is that this now, as several people have pointed out, creates a scenario where if you really like Jack Jones, you might be able to have 
Jack Jones, Jalen Mills, and John Jones as your three corners now. Because, I mean, yeah. as much, I, I like how versatile Miles Bryan is. Teams are picking on him. Yep. And if if you feel that confident about Jack Jones, which, yeah, teams might try to run at him and scheme that kind of thing, right? Because he's still not – I mean, he's he, he you know, is physical. He fights out there, but he's undersized. Uh, so, so teams might try to take advantage of that. But in terms of coverage – you could have a nice cornerback group with with that out there, and so yeah, I and wonder another thing how much to sort of think about. Another thing to sort of think about is if you are now in a position as a defense where the offensive focus is going to be we're going to run the football at a corner because he can't play good run defense and he can't tackle. You'll take that, right? Because look, you, you look at efficiency numbers, expected points added. Everything tells us that passing is more efficient. Yeah. And I talked to high school defensive coordinators, college defensive coordinators. NFL coaches, and they say, look, the more we can turn the quarterback into a spectator and get him to hand the ball off, the better we're going to be because they're not throwing it. So if you're in a position now where they're going to say, we have to run at Jack Jones, that's our best way to win, sure, I'll take that trade every single day. Yes, and and if you're, if you're saying that, well, you can't throw at him, so we have to run at him, yes, you right. absolutely say. Because, I mean, yeah, there, there, was, there was a play like in, in that overtime where – Alan Lazard got him turned around and, and, you know, they made a big catch to help set up the field goal. But there were other times in the game where he's throwing down the field. Jack Jones is right there. He's got a better chance at the ball than the receiver does. I mean, this, this guy is, look, I, 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 the first time I saw him play, I mean, I remember flipping on the film thinking like, okay, okay, I like this. And then you just see the mentality of Matt, of, of Jack Jones. So many Joneses on the Patriots. It's I know like, it's so hard. Flip up and calling them, you know, any which one. We haven't even talked about Marcus Jones, who right. hasn't played a whole lot at, at slot corner. But with Jack Jones, you can even see the way that he approaches it in drills, where a lot of these guys are trying to play through the hands and stuff like that, you know, in the back corner of the end zone with, you know, kind of the jump balls and stuff. Jack Jones always looking to find the football. He always wants to pick it off every single no. time. That's just his instinct. Every time a ball is thrown in front of him, he's coming down like a bat out of hell because he yeah. wants it. And I absolutely love the comment after that game, which is if you're going to throw an out route on me, I take it personally. I that's people, what I want to hear from a corner. Are like, yeah, don't don't talk like that because you're a rookie or like what I'm, I'm like, what are you talking about? You want you're a your corner. quarterback to feel I like want that. you to be that. Yeah, you've got to be arrogant. You've got to take that personally. Like, you know. I've seen some comments about Richard Sherman about what you're supposed to do as a corner when you give up a big play. It's like that's when you go out there and be your best. You've got to be arrogant to play that position. Like I, I love the kid. I think he's been fantastic. You you have you have to feel like anytime an opponent challenge and the other the other thing is that of course Aaron Rodgers is, is gonna be disrespectful. He he picks on You're people right. all the time. Yeah. If he's throwing at you, that means he thinks he's gonna beat you. So yep. so what what do you what do you want him to say? Like that that's not right. who Jack Jones is. I mean, yeah, yeah, he's gonna take it personal. Please take it personal. And, and, exactly. and I mean, that, that's the thing. He takes it personally. He wants to win every single rep. I saw this dude body bagging Christian Wilkerson with no pads on. That's how he rolls. Yep. That's what you want as a from a corner in today's NFL. Like, say what you want about build a GM. They could they find corners and they do a great job of that. And it's a pretty important position in today's NFL, kids. Yes, yes. I mean, I mean that that's why these dudes are getting paid the big bucks because they got to mm -hmm. shut down the other dudes who are making the big bucks. All right, before I let you go, let's talk about this weekend and and really going forward. Obviously, we talked about the quarterback part of this. But I have seen this part of the schedule as they can they can make up 
a lot of ground here. By the time you get to the bye week, are the Patriots going to be a wild card team? Do you think, are they going to be in the wild card race firmly in one of those spots? I think so. I mean, looking at it from the point of view of these five games coming up, as we talked about five, very winnable games, you know, when you get to, through that game against Indianapolis, um, you're talking about teams that have disappointed like Indianapolis teams like Detroit this week, who's a scrappy team and maybe the record isn't quite where they are. Cause I think they're a little bit better than their record. And I think they'll, you know, this will be a good game and Detroit can certainly win it. Um, but I, you look at this five game stretch, it's winnable games. And the other thing to consider is, as we've seen so many times before, and, and you know this as well, Bill Belichick uses those first four games as that extended training camp preseason. We're going to figure out what we do well. They're figuring out what they do well. They're figuring out they can play a little bit more man coverage. They're figuring out, hey, we can rely on Dietrich Wise as an every down edge presence. Yeah. Now we've got, got a tandem bookend pass rushers and Judon and Wise. We can lead into that a little bit. Maybe the outside zone, wide zone stuff, we ran in a ton in week one. We've gotten away from it. We're doing more inside zone, gap power and stuff. Yeah. That's they they started bringing back the, the the outside zone in this past game, and it they, was working better than it ever yeah. has. I noted that in the moment. I was like, okay. Yeah, maybe they figured out, okay, th this is how we can do it. So they're figuring out what works in the run game. You know, obviously the passing game is quarterback dependent at times, but I think they figured out. So they're starting to figure out those, the answers to those questions that they had going into the season. So I think you put this all together and then you look around the AFC at large and it's like, yeah, Buffalo's good. Yeah, Kansas City looks to be good. Miami, is that legitimate? Maybe it is, maybe it's not. They've got the Tua situation. That AFC West that we thought was going to be this massive gauntlet of four powerhouse teams doesn't look to be the case. And so you start looking around at the bigger picture, and it's like, yes, they're one and three, but as we've sort of talked about, they're, they're close. They're figuring out some of these answers to critical questions. They've got a very good slate of games coming up. You piece it all together, I think, yeah, they'll be in wild card position. The ultimate question, though, is what's that next stretch look like? Because that's right when it gets hard again. Because, yeah, you come off the bye, you get the Jets, and that's great, and that's fantastic. But then you get Minnesota on the road on Thanksgiving night. You got the game against the Bills. You got two games against the Bills, obviously. And so it's going to get tougher again. Can you maintain that? Like last year, they were in a great position. They had the bye, and then in a very un-Belichick-like way, they sort of folded after the bye, which is not something we're used to seeing. But I think they can get into wild card position with this favorable slate of games. It's just what do they do after it? Yes. And I mean, we are going to get a chance to see, did you learn from last year? Can you improve? I think this will be very telling. Mark Schofield, SB Nation, Waltham Guy, Track Enthusiast. Thank you so much for joining me, man. This was a blast. And Dude, I think we're definitely going to have to do this again, one way absolutely. or another. Absolutely. Absolutely. We would absolutely do it again. And we could also do a track show sometime this offseason. Whenever you want to do that, man, just let me know. Looking forward to all your track coverage, buddy. Can't wait. Yeah, gonna have to make it happen. Hey, hey, you hear that, EEI? We gotta get go. some track. We gotta get track coverage in this joint. It has been decreed. Anyways, this is first in Fox Pro. I'm Kyrie Thompson. Until next time.